Welcome to Earth Matters, bringing you environment and social justice stories. Today's story was produced on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri, the Canberra region, and also the Yuan Nation around the south coast. For Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne, Nam, Wurundjeri country, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Beck Horridge. If you are starting to think that the grip of the coal and gas industry on Australian land and politics is impossible to break, take hope. New coal mines are being knocked back by the courts for their climate impacts. In February 2019, Chief Judge Preston of the New South Wales Land and Environment Court made a landmark judgment confirming a decision to reject a new open-cut coal mine near Gloucester in the Hunter Valley, New South Wales. For the first time, one of the key reasons given was the global heating impacts of the CO2 released when the coal is burned. Coal investors and political backers like Senator Matt Canavan, New South Wales Minister Stokes and the Minerals Policy Council are in a spin and are now trying to make sure no such decision is ever made again. Six months later, on September the 18th, 2019, the legal precedent was repeated when an independent planning panel decided South Korean companies Kepco's plan for a coal mine in Bailong cannot go ahead. For the second time, in a court case, the global heating impacts of burning coal were included. Six weeks later, farmers from the Bailong Valley were outside the Korean embassy in Canberra wanting Kepco to sell the land in the Bailong Valley back to farmers. They had their lambs with them. Lock the Gate, the Grassroots Alliance, committed to delivering sustainable solutions to Australia's food and energy needs, organised the rally. Here's Nick Clyde from Lock the Gate. So what happened in, is that Kepco bought the mining title from Anglo back in 2010. They paid $400 million for that coal licence. A few years later, they declared that they would be mining coal in the Bailong Valley by 2016. That's what they said to the ABC media. But of course, the more we learnt about this project, the more we realised that this was the wrong mine in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, And Phil will talk about drought, no doubt, in a moment. So it was a long campaign to protect a very, very special valley. Over the course of the last nine years, Kepco bought up almost 14,000 hectares of land. So that's about 30 farms. About 30 working farms were purchased by Kepco, a Korean government-owned energy company. And of course, that land wasn't purchased to set aside for farming. It was purchased to minimise conflict if the mine was built and there's dust and noise and water disappearing from the underground aquifer. And that's one of our central demands here today is that that land really does need to be sold back to farmers so that it can be returned to agricultural production. So then, ladies and gentlemen, fast-forwarding to just last month, on the 18th of September... The Bailon Coal Project was formally rejected by the decision maker in New South Wales, the Independent Planning Commission. So they said this mine should not go ahead because the impacts on farmland will be too great because they were not convinced that B-cell soil could be rehabilitated and restored to its former equivalents. They predicted that the impacts on water would be too great And they also mentioned climate change, and I see many of you here today with your banners on the climate issue. And of course, they also said that, you know, they have grave concerns about climate and that it wasn't consistent 
with New South Wales's objectives uh, under the Paris Agreement and heading towards a zero carbon economy by 2050. It took just one week since that decision for the Minerals Council of New South Wales to be absolutely outraged that, a, that prime agricultural land and water being used productively to grow fodder and create food and fibre that we all rely on. They were, they were outraged that the government had protected those values. So they launched a full-scale advertising campaign trying to abolish the IPC, get rid of the decision maker. They wanted this decision overturned. And they also actually have succeeded in convincing the New South Wales government. This was announced by the Deputy Premier of New South Wales, John Barillaro, just a couple of days ago. Basically what they're saying is that you're not allowed to consider the greenhouse gases generated when coal and gas from New South Wales is burnt overseas. The reason that we are here today at the Korean Embassy is the Korean government through the Korea Development Bank and directly, they own a majority share of KEPCO. A $20 billion Korean government majority owned energy company that own the Bailong Coal Project. They own the mining title and they own almost 14,000 hectares of land, 30 farms. So the reason we're here today is that despite the decision to reject the proposal, we are still waiting to hear from the embassy and from the president of KEPCO in Korea, both of whom we've written to. So we have written to the embassy, we asked them to meet with us. We've written to the president of KEPCO in Korea. We've also asked him to meet with us. We haven't had a reply from the KEPCO president yet. And the embassy declined to meet with us. But basically, as majority owner of the project, they're in the box seat to make a decision about the future of the valley. So at the moment, there are three things that could happen. They could decide to challenge the decision in the Land and Environment Court, but the options for that are very limited and that would be likely unsuccessful. They could sell the project to another coal mining company, which would be a complete disaster. And for people like Phil, that would mean years and years of more land use conflict in the Bailong Valley in a time of terrible drought. So we really don't want that to happen. Um, the th option, and they have said that they are also considering this in Korea, is that they might choose to walk away from the project and, and we are encouraging them to do that, encouraging them to sell those 30 farms back to farmers. So that is definitely a live option and look, with the state of politics in New South Wales and in Australia right now, it actually is an incredible opportunity for a company like Kepco who just two days ago KEPCO announced that they had uh, invented the, the world's most efficient flat panel solar panel cell. Wow. So, so that is the kind of thing, you know, KEPCO is an energy company, they know that the writing's on the wall, that we need to make the transition to zero carbon energy, and they have massive investments in renewable energy. This is a dinosaur legacy project, the Bialong Valley, so it's really time for that company to move on. Uh, embrace the future, sell this land back to farming interests. And now I just want to introduce Phil from Bylong to say a few words. Now, Phil, please do thank Phil for coming along. It's about a five-hour drive from Bylong. He's got, he's got a thousand sheep in his back paddock. He's got a bunch of cattle that need looking after. He's got a young fella up there today just making sure that things are happening on farm. But this is really a major, you know, commitment from Phil to, to make it all the way here to the Korean Embassy. Hey. Yeah.
Thanks, Nick, and, and thank you, people, for turning up. I, uh, I can't speak as well as Nick, and I won't keep you that long. Oh. Uh, basically, I've been invited here as probably the face of farming in the Bylong Valley. Kepco have probably purchased 40%, 30 to 40% of the total area of the Bylong Valley. They've purchased one whole side, one side valley. So 30 farms have been purchased. Many, many families have left. We are asking the Korean government to relinquish these leases and, and give this farming back to the mums and dads families of, of Australia and New South Wales. We're at a critical point now when those decisions can be made to put it back in the families, repopulate the Central West, protect our environment, protect our water. Yeah, really, we don't get that much wealth from minerals in, in New South Wales and Australia. Coal, the royalties, the, the, the world market at seaboard is about $95, $96 a tonne, of which the Australian government get $1.85 per tonne. Like, that's $11 million a year the New South Wales government were banking on. Now, that wouldn't pay for the plastic seats at the new stadium they just pulled down. Honestly. So we're not really getting that wealthy out of this. We're destroying prime agricultural land and jeopardising underground water, which is precious in this time. I, I just read that they've, they've sunk a bore and they've got water at Tenerfield now for the town people. Like, towns are running out of water. Now, we have agricultural water for our stock and our domestic, and we want to keep it. We're not asking anything. If I'm asking anything, I'm asking for the federal government, the Minister for Agriculture, to stand up to the plate and defend farmers. We have the Resources Minister for the federal government flying directly to South Korea to plead with the Koreans to appeal the decision. Where's our agricultural counterpart? Shame. Oh, shame. Pleading, please come and appeal this decision made by Australians. He's basically saying we don't know what we're doing. Now, where's our agricultural ministers to stand up? The 18th of September was a win for agriculture in Australia. Now, we've got to maintain that decision, keep the momentum going for another 50 or 60 days till this is put to bed, and we're asking for the Koreans to, to relinquish their leases hand it back, sell their land, yeah. and put the, put the ownership back into Australian mum and dad's farmers. Yes, yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, we, we're lucky today. I'll just introduce briefly um, Rod Campbell from the Australia Institute. Rod has sort of tracked this issue over a bunch of years. Company Sahamnida to all the Bailong locals and to lock the gate generally for their tireless support of agriculture and farming communities across Australia and particularly in New South Wales. I've been following the Bylong project for quite a number of years now and what I said right at the start, I still believe today that the project is uneconomic and certainly not in the economic interests of New South Wales. Uh, as Phil's outlined, a very small percentage of New South Wales state government Royalties come from coal. Does anyone want to hazard a guess? 5%. No, it's less than 2%. So less than 2% of New South Wales government revenue comes from coal. In terms of who pays for teachers, nurses and public transport in New South Wales, it's never been the coal industry. It's always been us.
and the Bylong mine would do absolutely nothing to change that. On its own figures, in 2016, the Bylong mine only needed a decline in coal price of, I think, 20%, uh, and on its own numbers, it was not really an economic proposition. And a big part of the IPC's decision and discussion on the economics of the mine centred around their failure and refusal to consider the basically the Paris Agreement scenario for the future of the coal market. The Commission found that New South Wales supports the Paris Agreement and therefore considering what happens to the coal market under the Paris Agreement was a relevant thing that the mine and its consultants should have done and they just didn't bother. So it's really time for mining companies like uh, Kepco to start considering their own economic futures under a world that uses a lot less coal and a great place to start would be by pulling out of Bylong entirely and selling its land back to agricultural use that will bring far greater net benefit to the people of New South Wales and the people of Australia and ultimately the people of Korea and the rest of the world as well. I asked Annette, a farmer from near Queanbeyan, why she was outside the Korean embassy. My name is Annette Schneider and I ran for the Senate and, and I have been arrested five times trying to halt the advancing coal and gas industry in Australia, the export industry, and I just don't see why we shouldn't all put our utmost into stopping climate change, stopping ecocide. I'll do it in any peaceful method that I can. Why am I here? Um, Because I really don't want to have to stop a coal train coming down from the Bailong Valley coal mine because <laughs> that's what I do and I will stop them. I will, if that mine goes ahead, I will stop a coal train. <laughs> Why would you stop a coal train? I have already locked myself to the railway line at Newcastle Port and I stopped 14 coal trains going right the way up to the Liverpool Plains and that is something tangible that I can say I have done to to combat climate change and uh, ecocide. You're with Earth Matters. I'm Beck Horridge. What could be as dirty as a Darnie's coal mine? Well, lots of smaller coal mines and that's what coal companies are proposing for New South Wales. The 14 new and expanding coal mine projects in New South Wales could produce more coal and greenhouse pollution than Adani's coal mine in central Queensland. And half of these projects are wholly new mines. They're in sensitive areas like the Hunter Valley, Sydney and the Central Coast Drinking Water Catchment and the agriculturally productive Liverpool Plains. Most of these mines have not yet been approved and are still being assessed. Here's James to tell us more. Hello, uh, my name's James Dagger. I'm a civil engineer, uh, now a member of the Australian Student Environment Network, and I've been campaigning with them. Welcome to Earth Matters. It's a coal and gas update for New South Wales today. Could you give us a bit of a picture of 
coal and gas mining in New South Wales at the moment. Sure. So the coal and gas are concentrated on the Sydney, Gunnedah and Gloucester geological basins. And what that means is that large areas under uh, broadly Sydney from Nowra up to Newcastle and then inland as far as Narrabri at the moment are covered with coal and gas exploration and production mines. It's widely known that Newcastle is the largest coal port on earth and uh, we have a great responsibility when it comes to taking action on climate change to see that we're transitioning away from the mining and exporting of this coal and gas reserves. The Illawarra region is south of Sydney. What's happening in that part of the world? In the Illawarra, there's a lot of coal mining and it's well known that you can see the coal jutting out of the cliffs of the Illawarra escarpment. In the escarpment, there are a number of operating coal mines that are actually operating underneath the special protected zone for the Sydney water catchment. Those coal mines are currently planning expansions and those expansions are under review. And so it's a really important time to to look into what's going on there because um, we've got special areas that people cannot go into being mined underneath. Some of the evidence of the mining effects on the water catchment got creek beds in the dam areas that are broken. You see large cracks through those creek beds and the water is no longer there. And also you've even got upheaval of these massive sandstone rocks. And is that affecting Sydney's drinking water supply? Well, yes. It's water that would have otherwise gone into the catchment is now going underground. You also have the Western Coalfield, which is around the Lithgow area, and um, the coal mines there mostly supplying the coal-fired power plant infrastructure. North of Sydney, in the Newcastle Coalfield, You've got areas of the central coast, Newcastle and the Lower Hunter Valley, which are heavily populated by coal mines. And uh, further up the Hunter Valley and up into the Gunnedah Basin is a, a new frontier of coal mines expansions where you've got mines like Shenhua Watermark and the Vickery uh, Coal Mine. campaign was run to try and stop the Shenhua Mine starting up. Where's that at at the moment? Yeah, so Shenhua having a significant impact on the cultural heritage of the Gomoroi people. And we've got several sites that are very significant to Gomoroi people. Um, And they've taken the Federal uh, Environment Minister to court after uh, she acknowledged this special cultural significance, yet... Uh, determined that the economic benefits of the coal mine going ahead exceeded those cultural heritage considerations that I think, you know, as a, as a nation, we really need to question, um, you know, are we just saying that we respect the rights of Indigenous people um, and, you know, acting in the complete opposite way? The Wallara 2 coal mine is in the Central Coast region just north of Sydney and it's been approved. 
there was a campaign to try and stop it. What were some of the problems with Wallara too? Yes, so the Central Coast coal mine, a lot of people may not be aware that it's also in the drinking water catchment for 400,000 people on the Central Coast. And, of course, that's putting at risk their livelihoods and our ongoing water um, availability into the future. And, you know, especially when we see the effects of coal mining causing climate change, increasing uh, water scarcity across the state, um, you know, we definitely should not be directly impacting our water catchments by undermining them with these coal mines. It was a couple of weeks ago that the New South Wales government has uh, released a statement about Whitehaven coal and the um, water theft that's gone on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so now they're required to put a water meter in and, uh, look, I'd encourage everyone to look this up. It's got... It's basically saying that they've got to comply as any other citizen uh, should um, with, you know, fair use of the water. Uh, I don't think that goes far enough, but um, we uh, will we'll wait to see what the New South Wales government will actually do to um, discourage big coal mining companies from stealing the water, especially in this critical time when most of New South Wales is in drought and most of New South Wales has had the lowest rainfall of uh, recorded history. And so do you know what happened? What was the theft? I haven't actually heard that story. Yeah, they've been found to be taking more water than, than they're allowed. Then moving on to talk about gas in New South Wales, what's the story with coal seam gas extraction in New South Wales? Yeah, so currently New South Wales gets 5% of its gas supply from the coal seam gas reserves in the Candom area in southwest Sydney. And what happened a few years ago when they were planning an expansion of these gas wells, the community stood up in opposition. They did not want any more gas wells within 500 metres of schools and, you know, across the road from suburban developments. The New South Wales government changed the rules so that you had to have a two-kilometre exclusion zone from um, residential dwellings. However, new developments are currently being built around existing coal seam gas wells um, literally across the road. My cousin was telling me how she planned to purchase a property in the suburb of Spring Farm. And I said, well, you better have a look here at these uh, coal seam gas wells that are propped up all across the suburb. It's really concerning to see such disregard uh, for the health and safety of um, residents that are, or, or new residents that are unsuspectingly uh, purchasing into these areas. And did your cousin have any idea that there was a gas field? Not at all. She was completely shocked. So, yeah. Did she change her mind? Absolutely. And what about the Pilliga? Like we heard a lot about Santos. We saw farmers locking on under vehicles to try and stop Santos in the Pilliga. Where's it at? Yeah, so the, the Narrabri Gas Project is 850 gas wells through the Pilliga State Conservation Area. And once again, that's very uh, sacred Gomorrah country. Um, it's also the recharge area for the Great Artesian Basin. As many of you may know, the Great Artesian Basin is of high significance uh, for supplying water to many communities across Australia. Uh, what's happening currently 
is the gas pipeline that needs to be built from Narrabri uh, to join up to the main line some several hundred kilometres southwest had been blocked by farmers and community members along the way. Santos is also trying to get approval for production. It is currently operating on an exploration a permit that has uh, special conditions that allow it to produce and uh, use that gas. Mm, and an exemption. Yes, <laughs> the exemption. So while they have not gone ahead to build the 850 gas wells, there are a number of the gas wells that, that have been built and are producing gas. A number of groups are currently campaigning on coal and gas in New South Wales. They include Lock the Gate, Greenpeace, 350.org, Get Up, Nature New South Wales, Stop Adani, Stop CSG Sydney. And then there are the various local climate action groups, such as the Parramatta Climate Action Network. Sydney Knitting Nanas and Friends meet at Martin Place every Friday at 11am for a vigil. Look these groups up online. Join their mailing lists so you know when submissions and petitions are due and can keep in touch with what you can do. Something you can do right now is to sign the petition that urges the New South Wales Parliament to stand up to the coal lobby and protect the laws that protect us instead of trying to weaken laws that require the full climate change impacts to be considered in the assessment of new coal mines. Go to the Earth Matters homepage on the 3CR website to find all the links. You've been listening to Earth Matters. This edition was produced in the studios of Radio 2XX Canberra on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri peoples. For Radio 3CR in Melbourne, in Wurundjeri country, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support. And if you'd like to get in touch with Earth Matters team, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page on Earth Matters 3CR Radio or follow us on Twitter at EarthMRadio. If you'd like to listen to or share editions of Earth Matters, you can find this and all the Earth Matters podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. That's all for today's show. Thanks so much for sharing this time with us. The Earth Matters team will be back next week with more environmental and social justice stories. This song comes from the campfire of the Leard Forest blockade that tried to stop the Whitehaven coal mine.